and can be found on page 1214 of your Bibles. The word came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people of Judah and to all those living in Jerusalem, for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Kit of Ammon, king of Judea, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. And though the Lord has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid any attention. They said, turn now, each of you, from your evil ways and your evil practices, and you can stay in the land the Lord gave to you and your fathers forever and ever. Do not follow other gods to serve them and worship them. Do not provoke me to anger with what your hands have made. Then I will not harm you. But you did not listen to me, declares the Lord. And you have provoked me with what your hands have made, and you have brought harm to yourselves. Therefore, the Lord Almighty says this, Because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north, and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants, and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin. I will banish from them the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, the sound of millstones and the light of the lamp. The whole this whole country will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will see it serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians, for their guilt declares the Lord, and I will make it desolate forever. This is the word of the Lord. Our God is described in Exodus chapter 34 as the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Where was this God whom Jeremiah was talking about in chapter 25? He was getting angry. He was slow to anger, but it was years building up. For 490 years of obedience and social injustice, God was coming to the end of his patience. If we read Leviticus chapter 25, it says that every year the land, every seventh year, the land must have complete rest. 
for six years you may plant your field and prune your vineyard and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. The people had ignored that. God had come to the end of his patience and he spoke through Jeremiah. He warned the people. You've not been listening to me. And if we read 2 Kings chapter 25, the words of Jeremiah came true. The country was made into a desolate wasteland. The temple was razed to the ground. As it said in the prophecy, it was made an everlasting ruin. It appeared that God's covenant with his people had come to an end. All that symbolized that covenant was destroyed. At the urging of Jeremiah, Gedaliah, who had been appointed governor of the defeated land, vowed to the few people that were allowed to stay in that land that the Babylonian officials met in no harm. Don't be afraid of them. Live in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and all will go well for you, he promised. Some would treasure the hope in their hearts that God would come to their rescue. Amongst those taken to Babylon were Daniel and his friends. They did not abandon hope, they didn't think that the covenant that God had made was at an end, but they trusted in the Lord, in the, fiery in the fiery furnace and the lion's den. They continued to trust and prayed for the day that the people would once again be restored to their land. Daniel was reading the prophecy of Jeremiah. And he went to pray to God. He said, O Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love. Obviously, Daniel thought that that covenant stood firm and that he could trust in God. And who was to argue with someone who had seen his friends survive the fiery furnace? and who survived the lion's den overnight. Daniel prayed, but we have sinned and done wrong. That's something that we need to take into account. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, in the turmoil of our lives, we need to repent. Which, of course, doesn't just mean being sorry for the things that we've done wrong. But turning to God, asking him the way ahead. Because sin is going our own way. Repenting is going God's way. We need to resolve to listen 
to what God is saying to us, to trust him through all the ups and downs. We need to check out with him. We are on that narrow way of listening and obedience. The people who were listening to Jeremiah and who had not been listening to God were in that situation because of their own foolishness. God was not to blame, as it says in the reading. You have brought harm to yourselves. God doesn't want to harm us. That's why he was saying again and again to the people to turn from what they were doing. In the depth of our soul, that we have harmed ourselves, we must never forget that our God is filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Daniel's prayer was answered, and he was assured that God's plan for his people was that the covenant would be preserved. And that plan included a way to lift his people from their guilt and shame through the line of David, the way chosen and promised by God. God would provide a new Jerusalem. The temples would be destroyed by the enemies of the people. But what they represented, that symbolic representation, would be rebuilt in three days. Days of horror and desolation. Three days when it was made possible that the temple could be in our hearts. From Ezekiel, I will remove from your heart from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. No powerful ruler, despot, or madman can destroy that temple which is in our hearts. We might think we live in dark days, but there have been dark days before. And God has always been with people and made sure that he had an influence in what was happening. We remember Joseph, who was... Uh, cast aside by his brothers. But somehow, things happened so that Joseph was, through all his trials and tribulations through being in prison, he was lifted into a place of real influence. And he was enabled to witness for his God in that place. Moses was the same. Moses, drawn from the water and saved. God's plan for him was to have mighty influence and affect God's plans. Daniel, who we've been talking about this morning, he was there in a special place and he had a special witness to the, the court of the Babylonians and the people of Babylon. Daniel is an example to us all that even in the times of greatest loss, and in spite of our past deafness or disobedience, 
God gives us opportunity to be part of his plan. The overwhelming message to us this morning is that we should listen to God. In listening to God, he gives us, through the dark times, hope. He gives us opportunity, great opportunity to work for him. This morning, I took the 8 o'clock service at St. Nicholas Middleton on Tees. So I read the collect for the 17th Sunday after Trinity, which is the 6th day. I pray that you would prevent and follow me. Of course, prevent doesn't mean God's stopping us doing it. It means that God will go before us. Prevent. He will go before us and follow us. He will surround us with his love and care. When I was at school, I was taught to take notes in class. For me, personally, this was disastrous. It wasn't the way. <laughs> Usually I was left with a bunch of quickly scribbled notes that I couldn't understand. In later years, while studying for bank exams, I had learned that it was important for me in that circumstance to listen to what is being said, to listen to what is being taught. So that is what I did. My teacher was not impressed. When he looked at me, he did not see someone that was listening to him, listening to everything that he was saying, but he saw someone that was not taking his classes seriously. Instead of scribbling notes, I was smiling occasionally and just being myself and listening and trying to understand what was being said. And he said, why are you not taking notes? And he told the class that I didn't stand a chance of passing the exams. He made a judgment upon me. What he didn't know was that I found a really good book that was an excellent textbook on the theory and practice of investment. I listened and was able to understand. And when I was struggling, the book would give me a good understanding. I believe a good teacher facilitates this process by handing out explanatory notes so that his listeners can listen. When we are listening to God in the quiet of our sanctuary of prayer, and we should all have a special place for prayer, we can always check things out by checking the notebooks. That book on investments is not perfect. <coughs> but our book is wonderful at answering all the questions that could ever be asked. I'd like to talk to you a wee bit about prayer this morning. Prayer isn't just talking, it's listening. It's more listening than talking. About talking, my wife, Gina, talks. She could talk for Scotland. I couldn't have said talk for England, could she? She's definitely Scottish. She does a lot of walking and often talks to people she meets on the way. When she returns home, she often tells me about the people 
that she has talked to. So obviously she listens to what they're saying to her. Have you ever met someone who talks and talks and talks and never lets you get a word in edgeways? Yes? We must not be like that when we pray. We need to listen. One of the books at the back of the church uh, that was recommended to us this morning, and I'd like to second that recommendation. When I was here two weeks ago, I saw the book at the back of the church. And it, when I got home, I uh, had a look up and uh, I downloaded How to Pray by Pete Blessed. And within 24 hours, I'd read the whole book. It's a fantastic textbook on how to pray. It's the best book I have ever read on prayer. It's got a whole chapter, chapter 11, about listening. The whole book is wonderful, but this chapter relates about listening. He says, a newborn child listens and learns. He compares a deaf child with a disability. You can't learn the same way because the deaf child cannot listen. A newborn child needs to hear things and learn from them. When we became Christians, we were new parents, and we need to needed to listen to God, and he spoke to us so that we could get to know him. We really need to get to know God. Seek and you will find. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. If we want God to prevent us to go forward, uh, to go in front of us with his lamp, we need to know what that lamp is saying. The word is the lamp. As our relationship with God grows, we will be able to recognize his gentle whisper or even his loud, obvious command. But let's go with his still, small voice tonight. I've heard God's still, small voice in my life. I can remember driving uh, from my parish in Grayshot to um, Hayton, not Hayton, uh, Farman. I was on the way to Farman, and I was going shopping. But a voice said to me, go to the Phyllis Cutler Hospital. And I knew that uh, one of my friend's wife was in there at that time. So I went. And as far as I knew, that she was only in there for a couple of days of respite. But when I got there, the whole family was there. And they were praying. their mother, for their wife. And God wanted me to be there too. It was God's way. He was speaking to me. He was speaking to them. And we came together. And that was the birth of a wonderful uh, relationship with me and Bob. Uh, and 
ask him to speak and let me serve with him. He was a wonderful man. And there was another time when I was just in the parish and I thought I heard that a boy saying, go to see Marguerite. So I went down to see Marguerite. She was way down in the valley of Clitmohill in Tralee Parish. And I knocked on her door and she came upstairs. I've been praying that you would come, she said. God uses us as he gains us. God speaks to us and brings us together at the right time. Remember Philip on the Gaza Road? Well, he wasn't on the Gaza Road. And he was told to go up the Gaza Road and meet with the Egyptians. And there he meets with the Ethiopian woman. Because he heard the voice of God in the scripture that says, Rabboni, Rabboni. And Dave baptized her in the name of Jesus. He got sent out little whisper in our ears. And from that, maybe the gospel was taken to a whole new country. You need to listen because God has purpose with what he's saying to you. In Psalm 91, it says, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. We are his angels. And he gives us orders from time to time. In that book that I've recommended, Pete uh, gives us some headings, some useful headings on how to listen to God. Hearing God in the Bible, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remember a few weeks ago, when Joshua was told, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate it, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That's one way God speaks to us through his word, his Bible. We need to read that, to check things out, to check the we're thinking we're hearing with the absolute truth of scripture we need to pray to what the bible is saying to us and follow up Pete talked about hearing God in dreams and visions a couple of weeks ago we had a picture of a tree that someone had seen God speaks to us in pictures, in images. Quite often later with your pen clear what God is saying to us. It can be a great confirmation. It can be exhilarating and exciting. Another heading is hearing God in counsel and common sense. Proverbs says the wise listen to advice. It's beneficial for us to pray together to talk things through together, to share what we have heard and perhaps acknowledge that God is speaking the same thing to us all. When I first started as uh, a vicar in Greycross, every Friday I would meet with a chap called Tom McAllister, who was a retired uh, 
about the future. And it's so important that I long for peace. And God would often speak to me through him. I can remember being in Hong Kong many years ago. <coughs> and I went to a Bible study. And it was being led by a chap called, I think his name was Mr. Pebble. And at the time, I thought, this guy must be quite old. Uh, quite old. <laughs> He's probably younger than I am anyway. But he was a great pillar. This is later when I met him and spoke through him. You need to find out how personal Mr. Pebble becomes. We can hear God in personal reflection. We need to reflect on things. In Luke 2, it says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. We need to ponder. We need to walk. We need to do gardening. We need to paint. We need to build a model. And in that, keep our eyes, uh, our ears fixed. God may speak to us. Because we are doing these things and he's near to our hearts tonight. We need to hear God in action. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. When we hear things, we need to take action. We need to obey. Listening means yielding willingly to whatever God tells us to do. We need to trust him. We need to understand that the promise of God made to David that we were talking about in Luther is real and that we can trust it. It wasn't put aside by the sin of the people. Brought, they brought harm on themselves. But God always wanted to be with them. Remember, he had 12 lambs. And he didn't switch off from them. In that book uh, by Pete Gregg, he takes us through quite astounding uh, things that happened. And they probably chime with you in things that have happened to you. We can see God working and guiding in our lives. When the covenant seemed to have come to an end, at that time when the, the temple was destroyed, an everlasting ruin, when that covenant seemed to have come to an end, God still involved himself in the lives of those who still trusted. He was still available. He hadn't cut himself off them, they had cut themselves off from him. The psalmist says, for his unfailing love for us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. I'd like to end by quoting a verse of Christina Rossetti. Speak, Lord, 
Order 78. Eyes to see, will to obey, 